meaning of dual pathway careers for elite athletes? Sure. Um, well, first of all, I really like that term dual pathways. It certainly wasn't something uh, um, in, in my vocabulary when I was an athlete. Um, it's a really nice way of um, describing um, the model and um, for me it really implies equal importance on sport and life outside of sport and I really like that. Um, It kind of helps us move away from that more traditional contingency mindset of plan A, plan B, B. And, you know, I always think that plan A, plan B dichotomy is really interesting. Um, You know, obviously it's about having an alternative action plan that might not ever be needed um, unless plan A goes horribly wrong. And, you know, it really sets up a really interesting um, mindset that and is the reason why many athletes don't undertake any study while um, participating in sport. They kind of, I think they feel like it might um, somehow indicate less commitment if they've got two options, a plan A and a plan B, and they might worry that it will dilute their sporting efforts or whatever, um, hedging their bets or whatever you want to call it. So I, I like that that dual pathway, I like the wording of it and I think um, it, it sort of is quite clear that it's okay to have both, that you can have that dual pathway. Um, yep. I think it's really about building and applying a range of skills and um, and what athletes traditionally haven't really thought about is um, all the ways that a life outside of a sport, whether it's work or study, can actually improve their sporting performance and that's obviously what we're talking about today. Um, but it certainly yep. was my experience that um, it was really beneficial. Um, I guess when I think about dual pathways, I also think that it's important to highlight um, that there's quite, I, I think, in my opinion, it, there can be a great variation between the different sports and codes. Um, mm. So, you know, I think there might be a different mindset and, and set of expectations between athletes in Olympic sports or other professional sports like AFL or cricket, for example. Um, also, the differences perhaps in the high and low price you know, just generally speaking, high and low profile sports or high and low funded sports. Um, the, the sport that I competed in too was, you know, was a very low profile sport and low funded sport. So walking into it from the very beginning, I knew that um, it would never be a source of income for me during my sporting career and after retirement. So it was just a no-brainer for me. It wasn't even really an option. Um but having said that, uh, you know, some people within my sport chose not to work or study. Um, yeah. Do you think there's any um, kind of performance perceptions uh, within the athletes themselves that somehow, like you said, you're lessening your focus by having more than one um, one thing going on in your life? So, if you, you know, if you do try to create a life where you're pursuing two goals at the same time that it's impossible to achieve the, the best in both? Yeah, I think I think that's traditionally been the idea, you know. The idea is we're kind of always told, um, you know, work really hard and you'll get the outcome. And so it's that idea that I have to do this thing 24 hours a day, you know, I have to live, breathe and only do sport and that shows my true commitment and my true, you know, desire and that's the only way that I'll be able to reach my goal um, and that's the only way I'll be happy is when I reach my goal. And I think that that's that mindset that I think that can get a bit um, tricky because what that, what that doesn't take into account is the sense of burnout, of, you know, um, balance and, you know, I guess looking after our whole selves, not just our sporting selves. Yeah. And do you see that, um, you know, in terms of identifying some of the challenges that athletes face in general about 
maintaining high performance mindsets is that idea of you know burnout or, or um, committing so much of themselves to the sport something that you see is a challenge for athletes or is it broader than that around some of the other um, factors oh. in, the, in the high performance mindset? Yeah, look, I, I definitely, I, I, in my experience of working with athletes, you know, I certainly see that sense of burnout, um, you know, being a really major concern, you know, and um, something that I work with. But it, it's one amongst many. I mean, there's obviously many challenges in, in a high-performance environment that can um, athletes can face. Um, being a psychologist, um, big area for me is obviously anxiety, performance anxiety, but... Um, you know, also just anxiety and stress management regarding a whole all the stresses that go along with being an elite athlete or, or an athlete. And um, yep. I also see another big area for me is around self doubt and um, fear of making mistakes and that sort of those setbacks. Um, you know, they're they're probably the two biggest areas that um, I find that I work a lot with. Um, and for me, you know, that there were definitely some areas that I that I identified with as an athlete. Looking back, um, yep. I think managing pressure as well, um, interpersonal relationships, you know, I think is a big one. That's often not really uh, identified so much in sport, but I think from, again, for me personally, and with all the athletes that I'm working with, those how to manage those interpersonal relationships. I mean, sport. Sport's not done in isolation. We have very complex and often really intense relationships with our teammates and coaches and managers. They can often be dysfunctional or problematic, and these can impact on high-performance mindsets as well. Um, The other two areas I would say that I do work with athletes on um, is that sort of life balance and perspective-taking and identity and self-worth. They're all really... All those things, I think, are really important aspects... um, in that environment. Yeah, 100%. And do, do you see or, or are there any observable differences in performance between dual pathway athletes and those athletes that have a more singular focus on their sport? Yeah, I mean, look, anecdotally, of course, but, um, you know, I, I think that there's absolute performance differences. Um, it might be as simple as learning time management skills or um, having varied social interactions or just having an alternative identity outside of the sporting area that I think is beneficial. Um, mm-hmm. I think you know these aspects help to give dual pathway athletes a greater sense of efficacy um, in life in general, but also through times of adversity, such as non-selection. Um, I think these things can help with resilience. Um, it's interesting because some of the young athletes that I work with, I think it's you know, young athletes um, are often obviously have to be schooled as well. So they're kind of the, the young ones that they might be elite athletes um, training, you know, up to 30 hours a week, but they're still at school. They still have to do some component of schoolwork. And I think that, you know, those young ones that I'm working with, you know, nine to 12 year olds, um, it, it seems what I'm noticing, it seems to really keep them grounded and help keep things in perspective. Um, yeah. because they have other areas in their life that are not sport-related. They also get regular breaks from that intensive training and that pressure. Um, and it could, it sort of can help interrupt that cycle of constantly thinking about ruminating, about ruminating about sport or poor performance at training, for example. Yeah. Um, you know, the other thing I've noticed with, with the young athletes that I work with is they might be very clear about their dreams and aspirations in the sporting world. They might be really clear that they want to compete at the World Champs or go to the Olympics. 
But pretty much all of them also know that they want to be a doctor, they want to study science, they want to go to university. Like they seem to intuitively know that you can do more than one thing at that young age. And they have yeah. their friends around them to model that idea on. So, yeah, I find that interesting. And do you think in that regards then the when they leave that school environment and they have the structured uh, dual pathway uh, kind of framework around them, that sport, you know, kind of facilitates that ability for them to move away from that by having a focus yeah. on performance yeah, solely? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think, you know, part of that is about sporting organisations, um, that it's not it's not just standard. Like, going to school for a young athlete is standard. It's just part of what they have to do. But after that, it's mm. like an option, and it's not a discussion that's really had in those early years, you know. Mm. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And, and what are, you know, some of the... You know, you've listed some there already in terms of the beneficial performance... Um, outcomes for athletes uh, are there anything else you know you, you mentioned um, you know an ability to think about something else building resilience um, you know perhaps alleviating the highs and lows of performance by having something else are there other mm-hmm. benefits that you see to, to dual pathways in, in high performing athletes yeah look I think um, you can help manage anxiety you certainly manage pressure just having I mean, I've already said that but having that being able to step away can even kind of make make us feel a bit more recharged and energised when we do back, go back go back into sport. You know, going back into training that evening, for example. Um, you know, and in my personal experience, um, when I was competing, I guess um, there probably was a small amount of envy towards athletes who could train full time and not have to think about work or studying to support their, themselves. Um, you know, I remember feeling that a little bit. Oh, I wish that I could just you know train full-time yeah but even at the time I when people ask me how do you manage work and and training even at the time I could really identify the benefits Um, at the time I really felt a sense of gratitude um, of having that alternative focus Um, so as I said I was sort of studying for many years as I was training but in the last year and a half prior to the Olympics um, I was working full-time um, and I, I guess I felt quite lucky that I had two things that I felt equally passionate about. Um, and what I realised most was that I, I just loved having that mental break from sport because otherwise I knew for myself I would become almost too obsessive. I was, a, I was an incredibly d- determined and driven athlete and, and working just gave me, um, as I said, that break. And it meant that I had other interests, hopes and dreams for my future. It also helped in my sense of identity. Um, but I wasn't just an athlete, I was also a student or an employee in a workplace. Um, it gave me a sense of accomplishment outside of the sporting arena. I knew that I had other skills. Mm. Um, and I guess, you know, what, what I think is really interesting is that sense of um, mental recovery. So I believe it gave my, my brain maybe a time to heal and reflect, reflect and strengthen. So I didn't know much yeah, about my... Rather being stressed on performance the whole yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, that, that sort of, um, you know, engaging a different, you know, other systems of the body, more of a relaxation response in a way. So I didn't know much about mindfulness at the time. You know, this was 12 years ago. But, um, you know, I think it was a type of mindfulness for me. I was really engaged and very present when I was at uni or when I was at work. And, you know, I think it was... It was 
actively actively practicing recovery for my you know that concept we're, we're, very, we're very aware of that concept of recovery for our body and our muscles but we're not very good at thinking about it in terms of the brain so I think that's yeah. what I was doing at the time but probably wasn't aware of it and it just meant I, I felt you know in a better headspace and refreshed and strengthened um, for training yeah no that's great and, and it makes a lot of sense in terms of you know resting that uh, that soul focus in terms of neural pathways and actually you know removing that and, and putting it somewhere else um, exactly. I, I spoke to um, another sports psych in New Zealand yesterday Dave Hadfield and um, he was I forgot what, what, I was, what point I was going to make I'll come back to it I'll, I'll get it later <laughs> on in terms of um, how current sporting organisations or teams that you've been involved with view dual pathways and their impact on athletes' performance do you think that there is a positive or negative view in sport towards dual pathways at the moment? Um, look, I'm a step removed from the sporting organisations because it's via the athletes, so I don't have that di- sort of direct contact with, with the um, sporting organisations. I guess I, I feel like um, they support it, um, but don't necessarily promote it or see it as any of their business. And as long as you get to training, as long as you do all the things and meet all the expectations, um, yeah, that's probably my sense, but I probably don't have as much um, information about that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and your experience as an athlete, was it much the same? Mm, yes. So, as I said, within my team, some of the elite athletes were studying somewhere or were working. Um, they, were, they were definitely supportive. I mean, I never felt any pressure um, not to do it, but... Mm. As long as I got all the time off that I, you know, to travel, because we, we had an immense amount of overseas travel, um, and so you have to make sure that you can find either a workplace or a university that's willing to support that. So, you know, it, it was a, always a delicate balance, but I certainly, um, I never felt that it wasn't supported. Mm. Yep, that's great. And do you think that the, I guess, the role that dual pathways might play in the future in sport? Um, you know, how do you see that? Is there, a, in your work, is there a greater awareness around the need for athletes to have an interest outside of sport? And do you think that might continue to grow in the future, or do you think it will stay much the same? Oh, look, I'm very hopeful, um, but I think there's still a lot of work to be done. And I guess, um, you know, I think it's not just about dual pathways, and um, but it's also, you know, holistic well-being of the athlete and athlete transition and the and relationships within sport. I think that stuff just isn't really explored or uh, prioritised. And for me, you know, I think they're some of the most important key elements of not just um, sport but sports performance. Um, and it's just really interesting that they're not prioritised. Um, if, if you've got a terrible relationship with your coach, how are you going to perform at your best? You know, if um, you know if you don't have any kind of life balance, how are you going to perform at your best? So um, I, I'm really hopeful. I think I certainly know of some. You know, we know we know AFL. I think are, are being pretty good with this. I know that they're really good at implementing wellbeing programs, and it's obviously got their minimum requirements now in terms of study and so on. They're definitely making um, progress, and they've got the funds, so to speak, to be able to do that. 
Um, and they spend about $13.2 million a season on it. Yes. Yeah. And look, that's great. I mean, they can be spending that money on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they can be spending that money on other things, but, but you know, they've yeah. made a decision, a strategic um, decision, because I think a lot of it is probably also to do with that culture, uh, team culture, portrayal in the media, and so on. So that they're motivated because they know that needed to change. So that's why they're willing to spend the money. I guess log other sports, um, a don't have the money, and there's probably not so much motivation. Um, so, yeah, Do you I think, think if they saw it more as a part of the performance discussion that the motivation might yeah. change? Yes, and that's where it needs to go. There needs to be you know, more research, more you know, evidence-based around um, how closely it's linked. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I think, I think it's going to come, but it's still, I, I think it's a long way off, certainly. Yeah, and, and that's, you know, the... I think the awareness around some of the challenges are hopefully shining the light on also some of the opportunities um, and you know that's what we're very keen to do is to make sure that we're having both sides of the discussion so that we don't yeah. just see the sensational well maybe not sensational but the, the negative effects of athlete transition and well-being in the media but we also see the opportunities for how um, better programs in that space can lead to better well-being and the broader benefits for the athlete and for the and performance.